Welcome to Amplifying Leadership, a podcast dedicated to sharing leadership ideas, challenges, tips, and successes. My name is Tara Lehman, and I'm a partner coach and consultant at Twin Life Coaching and Business Services, of which Amplifying Leadership is also a division. For our leadership clients, we'd love to support you with tools, coaching, learning, and information through all of our leadership services. To learn more about us, our Amplifying Leadership division, and our leadership community, please visit amplifyingleadership.ca. Today, I am welcoming Michelle Steffa. Michelle is an author, podcast host of Reframe and Rewire, speaker, corporate trainer, and certified coach. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. So why don't we just start with learning a little bit more about your leadership story? All right. Very good. Well, I've been in leadership 30 years, if you can believe that. That's (laughs) awesome. Good for you. (laughs) I started in my 20s and um, and climbed the ladder from there, but learned a lot in the service industry at the very beginning, which kind of is where I dug my deepest roots because I learned how to operate under pressure. Um, mm-hmm. servicing people of up to 10,000. So, you know, wow. managing people on the run, having to think quickly, um, worked under the, the, the head of, of some very prestigious leaders in the industry yeah. that I was in, and then uh, began to build my own businesses. In fact, I built five businesses from ground oh, up. Wow. Um, out of those three were mine. The other two I had helped uh, initiate uh, help working alongside of them to launch the businesses. So I've, I've got mm-hmm. a lot of experience in not only leading people and, and helping them to, uh, to rise to their greatest potential and operating under pressure, but even just, you know, understanding the basics of building business. That's amazing. That's great. I love it. And that's, that's a good period of time to be able to do that and lead others. Great. So obviously, during your many years of being a leader, there have been obstacles that you've come across oh, those yes. barriers, right? <laughs> so maybe share one or two of those um, over your leadership journey and a little bit about maybe how you overcame them. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, I can think of two right off the bat that probably some of my biggest lessons to learn as a young leader. uh, When I first started out, you know, I always felt like I had to have all the answers. And a lot of times Mm. when I work with young leaders, they feel that way too. I mean, they're trying to perform their best. They're trying to put on a good impression, you know, and and they think they need to know it all. But the fact (laughs) of the matter is, the more the answers you can pull out from your team, the more value you instill in them and the more they respect you and appreciate you for giving them the opportunity to operate at their greatest potential. So Mm -hmm. not knowing the answers as a leader is sometimes more of an advantage than a disadvantage Uh when you look at it from that perspective. So I had to learn to ask more questions and listen actively to, mm-hmm. to really, you know, understand what they were saying to me, repeat back what they were saying, make sure that they knew they were heard. So that's the first one. Absolutely. And that one's great. It talks about inclusivity too, which is a huge topic these days. Oh, Love it. Oh, definitely. And then the yeah. second one, if, if you're ready for that one. Sure. Go for it. <laughs> is to smile more. <laughs> which sounds I so love that one. It is so simple. You know, it, I, <laughs> it is. And it's so overlooked. You know, I know there's some yeah. people that just naturally smile all the time, you know, but that's yeah. something that I had to teach myself. I had, mm-hmm. uh, had kind of gotten the focus face, if you know what that is, yes. right? Yeah, and and yeah. there's other pet names for it that aren't so nice. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I was never really angry, but people would perceive it as that because I wasn't mm-hmm. smiling or I, I would, you know, walk past them without smiling or maybe they would mm-hmm. try to get my attention. And I just was so focused on my work yes. yeah. that I just walked right on past them. And, 
And that kind of creates this unapproachable feel, right? Absolutely does. Just learning to smile more, to be, to try to be more pleasant at ease, say hello more often can make a huge impact in, you know, creating an environment where people feel safe and they Mm -hmm. feel valuable. I 100% agree. I always talk about making sure the team feels heard, you know, safe, huge one. Psychological and physical safety is number one, right? And we absolutely need to feel that, that we're safe and that we're heard, we're included. I love that. And smiling is something I also had to learn (laughs) years ago. I had what everybody would call the tunnel vision. I mean, I wouldn't even see people I knew in the mall because I was so focused Mm -hmm. and I learned how to smile more. And even at strangers passing by on the sidewalk or whatever, you just give a little smile yeah. Um, it just makes everybody stay and everybody, even the recipient feels lighter. So oh, oh could... for sure, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I make it a habit now, you know, in my later years of life now to, to just, you know, say hello to everybody. And mm-hmm. uh, my husband, and I like to do a lot of bike riding as I'm out speaking and we'll, we'll bring our bikes along and he'll nice. accompany me. And, um, and we'll go on bike rides all over the nation and just say hello to people mm-hmm. on the trails and, you know, and be friendly. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah. some, some cultures are, are kind of shocked by that and others, mm-hmm. you know, play right along and they appreciate yeah. that you do that. But either way, you know, you're making a difference. Yeah. And you're making them feel good on the other side, right? I Absolutely. mean, it's almost a pay it forward without actually paying any money with a right, smile. Exactly. I love that. Thank you for bringing it up. That <laughs> is huge, huge, huge. It is. It is. But so, I want to go back to something you mentioned, if that's okay. Yeah, um, Absolutely. Earlier, you talked about active listening, which is my favorite topic when it comes to communication. But do you have a favorite topic around communication that you want to share today and why it's so important? Well, yes, actually, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I like I'm going to start with two quotes, if that's okay. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. uh, First of all, Theodore Roosevelt, and I've kind of built my business on this quote particularly, but there's another one I'm going to share in a minute. So Mm -hmm. Theodore Roosevelt said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Love so it. again, going back to that principle of, you know, you can, it's, it's great if you know some things and you have some skills, but it's yep. better if you show that you care enough about them to come up with the ideas, even maybe if you know the idea, but you take the time to pull it out of them and believe mm-hmm. in them and get behind them a hundred percent to, to instill in them that, you know, they have the answer. It's a game changer in terms mm-hmm. of how they respond to you, to your vision and yep. and really, it's it's a psychological thing uh, with people, and I understand that because a lot of what I do is based in neuropsychology. So I understand mm-hmm. how the brain is wired, how it can be rewired, and yeah. what causes people to feel what they feel. And mm-hmm. it really does matter. And that leads to my next quote, uh, and that's Maya Angelou, and mm-hmm. she said, "People won't remember what you said, but they will remember how you made them feel." Yes, I love so that quote too. That's absolutely. It's right in line with, you know, the one I just quoted on Theodore Roosevelt. And they all fit together because when you communicate to someone, and and I don't know if you've ever been to a networking event uh, or any event, and mm-hmm. and you know, you meet somebody and you're ready to have this great, you know, jovial conversation, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden all they do is just throw up on you everything about them. And this is yeah. what they and this is what they accomplished. And, and I get to do this. And I, you know, and you never really get a word in advice. And you say, yes. with a smile, thinking to yourself, 
I hope I get a word in soon or I'm going to move on. <laughs> yeah, I've been there, done that. Yeah. It's one and, of those things you, know, you try to make the excuse <laughs> get away. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and we want to be polite and we want to be courteous. And it isn't about us. Sometimes, you know, people just need to have that opportunity mm-hmm. to talk. And, and that's okay, too. There is a time and a place for that. But my point is this when you communicate to someone, and especially leaders, uh, some mm-hmm. of some of there were occasions in my office, countless occasions where I felt more like a counselor than a leader, just mm-hmm. letting them share their feelings. And, and that may take it may take 10 minutes, it may take 20 minutes. And that sounds like a lot and probably feels like a lot to most people. Yeah. But giving them that opportunity to share with someone that they could trust, and mm-hmm. that they could rely on to actually listen made a huge impact in their ability to follow that leader, okay, mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to really buy in to the vision for the company, the vision Absolutely. that the leader has. Mm-hmm. And again, it's a, it's a psychological understanding. And, um, you know, and I don't know how much time we have to get into neurochemistry and all that, but just men- a quick mention of this. Yeah, absolutely. Go when, ahead. When you, when you connect with somebody with a heart of compassion, I mean, a heart that actually cares, not just a mm-hmm. fake, well, okay, say what you got to say and get it over with, but a <laughs> yeah. real genuine heart of compassion, you create neural resonance, which is a release of serotonin and oxytocin. Mm-hmm. Now, oxytocin is the bonding neurochemical. That's the, mm-hmm. that's the one that's released in a mother's body right after birth that creates a bonding. Okay. Yep. And it's also the, the, the ooey gooey one that we feel when we fall in love. Right. And I'm not <laughs> saying your team's going to fall in love with you. They may fall in love <laughs> with your leadership style or your passion for your work. Right, right. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the serotonin is the stabilizing happiness neurochemical that gets released. And every thought and action that you have, you're releasing neurochemicals. You have 60 neurochemicals in your body all together. Mm-hmm. And they're always moving and grooving in your body, depending on how you are perceiving things, thinking things and reacting to things. And so when somebody makes us angry or stressed or fearful, because maybe their leadership style is too oppressive, Mm -hmm. or too dictatorial, and they don't even realize they're doing it necessarily, right. Uh, But when they do that, or micromanage even, then you're Mm -hmm. releasing things like cortisol and adrenaline and norepinephrine, which these chemicals can all not only be toxic to the overall health and mental welfare of that person, absolutely, um, but they can produce a lot of anxiety uh, and that mm-hmm. turns into a lot of turf wars and strife between departments, a lot of jealousy, a lot of misunderstandings yes. and miscommunication. Does that all make sense? It does. And I a hundred percent agree. I mean, yeah. I love that, you know, you bring up psychological safety because people who don't feel they can approach the manager because maybe they are more of that dictatorship feel, Mm-hmm. really become enclosed in themselves and they're not willing to tell you if there's other things like maybe there's an actual physical safety issue maybe you know there's turmoil somewhere maybe right. there's a broken down machine and they're just too afraid to tell you because they don't know how exactly. you react right exactly. so yes. make, yeah making sure that we feel safe to approach our leaders and leaders you need to be approachable you need to be empathetic you know you really need to be good listeners which is the one thing that you brought up earlier like yes absolutely and appreciate let them be heard and don't shut them down that that's so big um that's so big and 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 I understand the pressure that's on leaders I've I've done it for a number of years it it does Mm -hmm. feel sometimes suffocating to try to keep up with everything that you're responsible for but I want to say this too Sometimes leaders can take on responsibilities they shouldn't be. In other words, they need to delegate more. 
and they need to let they go <laughs> of some things that yeah. maybe they felt they were the only ones that they could do, that could do it correctly, but begin to agree. build trust into specific individuals, obviously be very, you know, methodical and intentional about who you choose to delegate to, mm-hmm. but giving them that opportunity, there's nothing that, that can be more um, value instilling than having a leader believe in you to do something that may be very hard for you to let mm-hmm. go of something mm-hmm. very important. It's the biggest pat on the back you can give them. And by yeah. so doing, you relieve yourself of some of the pressures you're under right now as a leader, Agree. making you more free to have this good communication, this, this, yeah. you know, necessary two-way talk that is uninterrupted and, and not cut off as you put it. I, I absolutely love that too, because, you know, you do need to have, you, you want it when you want to go on vacation, you don't want to be plugged in because you're not delegating something right. that can be delegated, right? You want right. to be able to breathe as well as a leader. And that is so yeah. important. So absolutely training staff, you know, they love it too. They get to learn and grow. They right? do. You know? And they do. It's, it's those, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the other benefit to delegation, and I don't even think I need to mention this probably because everybody already knows this one, but, but basically when you, when you don't delegate and you take on way too much, you, things fall through the cracks and now you're starting to reflect an inadequate side of you uh, Mm -hmm. as a leader. It it ends up hurting you more than helping you. Mm -hmm. I agree with that too. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Delegate the word for today, active listening and delegate, I think. (laughs) For sure. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And I, and I love these conversations because they need to be had, you know, in our world today, it it is, you know, kind of a a whirlwind society that we're in and it is hard to be a leader. I I recognize that. Mm -hmm. It's a crazy, very volatile world right now. And being a leader is very difficult, like you said, and, and that's why we need to help each other out for sure um, as leaders. Right. Great. So I know you also do some, some coaching and you're a speaker what is some of the biggest obstacles that you have found that leaders have, especially in our, our new world, right? Since COVID mm-hmm. even, it's been very volatile, difficult to find employees in some cases, logistical nightmares. What are some of the biggest obstacles you're hearing about? Um, I, a, a time. <laughs> time. Again, we go back to, Always time. I mean, we started to have that discussion when we brought up delegation, but there's so yeah. much that could be said for that. And, you know, yeah. I, I really like to tell leaders, you've got to become more intentional from a personal mm-hmm. aspect. And, and they say, well, I'd love to, but I can't, you don't understand my schedule. And I said, well, I actually, I, I might understand a little bit about your schedule. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, we have to ask them a few really honest, raw questions like, you know, if you look at your day from the second you wake up in the morning till the time you close your eyes at night, now we're talking about both personal and professional life, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, where are you spending it? I, I challenge anybody, any leader, especially to take a three day journal, writing down everything you're spending time your time on and then reflect on that journal and see where that time is going. Because I guarantee you there's some wasted time on social media, Netflix, <laughs> images, television shows, video games. Uh, I mean, the list we already are you catching on, right? The yeah. list is enormous in terms of the time we waste. And so, so a leader might say, well, I've got to have some downtime. Yes, you do. You're right. You do. You should have at mm-hmm. least a half an hour to an hour a day, but it's the kind of downtime that you have. You need to create downtime intentionally that mm-hmm. will cause you to walk away feeling refreshed, 
or yes. fulfilled in some way. Okay. I so agree, maybe yeah. that's reading a book, spending time with your kids, going for a walk with your family or your dog mm -hmm. or whatever, but really think carefully about how you're using your downtime and I how much you're using on things you don't need that are only going to stress you out. One example would be, say, if you get home and your, your downtime is a sit there with the remote, you know, like yes. this night, right? So yeah. then at the end of the night, time has slipped past you. The kids didn't get mm -hmm. their homework done. The dishes are still in the sink. Yep. And now you, you don't have the, the energy to do any of it. So you have to go to bed with a messy house and kids that are all upset. Now you're anxious only to wake up in the morning to look at it all again and have yes. to deal with that anxiety. The, the second thing that I ask leaders to look at is how they spend their morning. If you are getting up in the morning at the last possible second, because you hit the snooze three or four times, <laughs> yeah. and a lot of people will laugh at this point from audience because they, they, they understand this. They I mean, do it. My house, right. And then they, they get up and they're rushing through the morning. Oh, I got to get my lunch and I, you know, got to take care of the kids and, da, da, da. Mm -hmm. and they're yelling at the kids and kicking the dog and, and only to, to get out into traffic and feel more stress. And then yeah. they're supposed to be able to get to work and think clearly, right? Not, yeah. not going to happen. Not going to happen. No, because it's chaos going in there, yes. right? You created yeah. that, that anxiety, which comes from those neurochemicals. Again, you got, you know, you get the cortisol and the adrenaline just going hundred miles an hour. And there's a fact, a statistic out there that most, most people that work in, in a position where, you know, they have to, to either lead or work from a desk, <laughs> kind of both takes them about an hour and a half to get acclimated and figure out where they want to start. Yeah. So that's yeah. because of that stress. So mm -hmm. why not get up a little bit earlier and spend your morning, you know, maybe doing something that's more fulfilling or enriching. And I, yeah. I always recommend that people will, you know, turn on a, an audio book or, or a podcast like yours and mm -hmm. listen while they're getting ready, while they're mm -hmm. showering, while they're getting dressed, what, it ain't going to hurt if the kids hear it. Right. Cause it might help. No, them. not at all. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and walk through your morning a little bit slower. So you don't go into this stress mode that ruins your ability to think. And you end up with brain fog and all those sorts mm -hmm. of things. There's other things that I pick apart too, when I talk to leaders, but my point is this, we really have to get more intentional about ourselves mm -hmm. and be more realistic about the time we actually have in a day, because all of us have that same number, that 24 hours. Yeah. It's how we're spending it and what we're spending it on that's going to make mm -hmm. or break you. Yeah. It's, and it's one thing you cannot change. Time is, is not something you can change right. unless you have a time machine, which I don't believe anybody does yet. <laughs> right. You cannot change the time available exactly. seven days, 24 hours a day you know, in a week, that's it. So yeah. you're right. And I, I remember doing time studies just at work to determine when I was first moving into management yeah. many, many years ago, yes. where am I wasting my time? Because I felt chaos and, you know, you find it, you figure it out. And you do, yeah, if you're honest, take, if you're honest <laughs> and it does take time to do a time study, but it is mm -hmm. so worth it. Like you said, it is. a couple of days, three days a week, maybe five days, depending on how you work. Right. Right. But I, mean, I, I found duplicates, duplicate meetings. I, I ended up, you know, moving some of the emails to a CC folder. So I don't need to yeah. reply to this today. You know, there's just, there's ways yes. of, of figuring out those actions. So thank you so much for bringing that up because time yeah. management is something we have to do because we cannot mm -hmm. change time. So thank you very much. Yes. And I, I like to call it self-management uh, more than time yes. management because really yes. that's kind of what it feels like to realistically. Yeah. Uh, that's yes. what we have to think about, you know, so 
another real quick tip uh, before we move yeah. on from that one um, is I always tell leaders spend the last five minutes of your day going through whatever's left in your email and, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of taking a pen in hand, because when you handwrite something, you literally turn on both right and left centers of the brain, which mm-hmm. causes greater retention, write out what you know you need to do the next day. And then at, on Friday, spend 15 minutes filing mm-hmm. and putting things away, cleaning your desk all. What that's going to do is it's going to help you hit the ground running the next morning because you'll have that yeah. list in front of you knowing exactly what you need to do, giving you a head start from a lot of people that are wasting that first hour and a half, right? Going to the mm-hmm. coffee machine and, you know, and checking emails for no reason. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> um, social media, right? We mentioned. Yeah, that. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then it also allows you to unplug at night. So you're not when you go home, you can actually stop thinking about, oh, did I get this done? Did I get that done? Oh, I forgot to do this. Oh, now you want to log in remotely. You don't really get to relax and spend time with your family, right? You're stressed out yeah. and that can screw up your weekends as well. So just staying ahead of the game and preparing in advance is always better. Preventative is better yeah. than reactionary. Absolutely. And I love that you mentioned writing it down because you're right. Our brain does it differently when you're physically writing it. And I am myself personally a fan of at the end of the day, what's my to-do list for tomorrow? You know, even writing down my meeting. Yeah. It it really does help with retention. You're absolutely right in that, that, you know, the brain fog (laughs) goes away in the morning. (laughs) So true. So true. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've, and I'll ask this in an audience, you know, how many of you have made a grocery list? And then when you get to the store, you barely need to look at it because you remember everything on the list. Exactly. People raise their hand because we've all done that, right? Yeah. That's how it works. Oh, I love that you mentioned that. So if you had like a big tip to share so that, our leaders could now lead a little bit more effectively, maybe something we haven't yet talked about, but that you really want to make sure our leaders hear about today. What would that big tip be? Well, I've certainly shared some of my biggest ones, but I've, I've yeah. got another one I can offer here. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think uh, really it boils down to what I like to call vision and the four mm-hmm. E's. Vision okay. and the four E's. So vision is necessary, not only for your team. And, and a lot of people go, oh yeah, I know what vision is. But is it stuck in the back of the employee manual? Are you actually yeah. utilizing it day to day to ask your team, mm-hmm. you know, how can we align with this vision better? How can we get this vision? And I even do activities to, you know, I put poster boards up and have them begin to brainstorm in teams, Good. Of, you know, how many ways to apply the vision on a day to day and incorporate oh, it into day to day. And I've had companies I work with that have won uh, best, uh, best and brightest awards year after year That's from awesome. just that advice alone, just from that. Wow. Advice because it actually gets people to think about solving day-to-day issues through the vision. Okay. So that, mm-hmm. that's a huge one, but we add the four E's into that. Okay. Mm-hmm. That is encouragement, engagement, mm-hmm. excitement, and empowerment. So Love when we that. have those four pieces involved in a day-to-day leadership style, now you've got people that are not only on fire for, you know, being uh, in your team, but they're also on fire for the vision and the execution mm-hmm. of their role in making sure that it happens. So those are my biggest tips. I just love that you brought up vision because that is something when, you know, if you ask an employee, what are the core values or what is the vision of the company or what is the, the, the top strategy? And people look at you blankly and like, if you don't know, why exactly. are you here? Do you know what your purpose <laughs> is? Right. If you don't yeah. know your purpose, you need to go right. talk to someone because that's 
the, there's a gap missing, right? It and is. so it's huge. the vision has to come down to everybody at every level, regardless if the vision is three or four words or a sentence, yeah. they need to know, or at least understand it to understand their purpose. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And, and all of the meetings and discussions you have, if, if we can say, okay, let's go back to the vision and see how we yes. can solve this so that we stay in alignment. It makes mm-hmm. the decision-making so much easier. Oh, yes. Bickering, and you don't have one person going this way and another one going that way. Absolutely. People will, you know, build a vision within themselves, mm-hmm. whether it aligns with the, the company or not is up to you as a leader. Yeah, I 100% agree. And thank you so much for bringing that up. Yeah. And some great tips today. So listen, I know you've written a couple of books and I want to yes. give you a minute or two to talk about your books and also about how people can find you online if they want to learn more about you. Awesome. I appreciate that. Thank you. you well, uh, this book is my first book written. It's Reframe and Rewire, Greatness Through Daily Routine. And we are we already talked a little bit about why that's yeah. so important. And this has 8K studies. It has downloadable tools. It has activities at the back of each chapter. Uh, so for you to actually formulate a success routine that will make you incredibly energetic, dynamic, and operating at your fullest potential. And there is a lot of brain science in here as well. This yeah. one was written kind of a spinoff of this one, but you can mm-hmm. see this is a lot smaller. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And there's mm-hmm. tons of illustrations in it. And um, in fact, this book uh, is, is become a, a, a mission that I'm on where I'm getting corporate sponsorships and then putting these books into the hands of kids at risk. Cause it was written primarily for seven to 14 year olds. Okay. But it's mm-hmm. been endorsed by multiple trauma specialists, psychologists, teachers to help kids. And one of okay. the things I love about it is my little neurochemical characters, Oxy, so, yeah. Abby, you know, instead Those of oxytocin. Cute. And so, so we're, we're, we're having a little fun with these neurochemicals and teaching them how they mm-hmm. release them, what they do to us in our, our, our ability to think and to process from a perspective that's easy for a child to digest, including some diagrams on the neuroscience and how we wire our brains. So it's and what is that one called? Me. Yep. Sorry. Side of me. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So those books can be found on Amazon. Um, you can also find them on my website, which is ipvconsulting.com. And IPV stands for Integrity, People, and Vision, the three most important components in the success of any business endeavor. And uh, you can also find me on the usual social media places like LinkedIn, Facebook. I've got a business page for IPV Consulting, as well as a celebrity page, Michelle L. Steffes. Um, and thank you so much for the amazing tips that you've shared today and, and your insights. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the time. And I think the more we can get the word out, the more people can can rise to their best potential. And that's my goal in life. Awesome. Great. A big thank you to our listeners, of course. I hope you have gained some valuable information from Michelle today. If you are new to leadership or even a seasoned leader who knows that leadership coaching, consulting, or perhaps workshops are the way to grow on your leadership journey, or you want to join a supportive community of leaders, please visit us at amplifyingleadership.ca, a twin life coaching and business services division. Until next time, please be safe and be an amazing leader or leader to be.